Ninth Story Studios, giving story a voice. You're listening to the Wicked Library. <laughs> Bolt your doors, lock your windows, turn off your lights, and come with me into the Weird Darkness. I'm Darren Marlar, host of Weird Darkness, where I share stories of the paranormal, supernatural, legends, lore, mysterious, macabre, unsolved, and unexplained. Recently named one of the best storytellers in podcasting for 2019 by Podcast Business Journal. Whether it's ghosts, cryptids, true crime or creepypastas, you'll find it all in Weird Darkness. Episodes uploaded seven days a week. Search for Weird Darkness in your favorite podcast app or listen now at WeirdDarkness.com. From an early age, we are taught to fear the unknown, to be afraid of what we do not understand. Well, you're about to discover that what you do know can not only hurt you, but can scare you to death. (laughs) Thirteen authors from around the world have been assembled to explore the very notion that learning about the unknown can have terrifying results. The Wicked Library presents 13 Wicked Tales, our first anthology featuring Stephanie M. Wytovich, Jessica McHugh, K.B. Goddard, Lydia Peaver, and so many others, with an introduction from Daniel Foytek and new artwork from Jeanette Andromeda, not to mention an intro from yours truly. <laughs> Step inside, kiddies. It's story time at the Wicked Library. Available in paperback and Kindle on Amazon.com. <laughs> learn what you fear and fear what you learn. <laughs> Hello, kiddies! Happy Horror Days to you all! (laughs) Here we are at another episode of our annual Chris Massacre celebration. There are a lot of things to celebrate this time of year, so many things to be thankful for. Your ability to breathe, for example. (laughs) That's certainly what most of you take for granted. But the one thing that I never take for granted is all of you. We've been around for ten seasons now. Lots of changes, lots of actual miles, kiddies. As an eternal being covered head to toe in burnt molded skin, I certainly look like I should just be grateful to still be moving, much less unalive as it were. (laughs) But that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm grateful for a great many things. My station in the afterlife, for example, an eternal librarian, a purveyor of arcane books, 
a keeper of the library arts, a doting uncle to a certain Ms. Bigglesworth Hayes, <laughs> but most of all, a librarian. Your librarian, kiddies. For now and the foreseeable future. You have allowed me to scare you for nine seasons, and I intend to do so for another nine, and so on. Hmm. Nine. Nine is an important number around here at the Wicked Library. From our humble beginnings in 2012, with approximately nine listeners, <laughs> to now, where we are so much more than something to help you kill time. We've always been a champion of the independent author, struggling against all odds to rise to the top. And rise, we have. To the extraordinarily talented authors who've trusted us with their labors of love, their stories, their truths, I say thank you. I hope we've helped elevate your fine tales to the next level. We've taken a great deal of pride in helping so many writers, artists, and composers to where we are today, right here and right now. We thank all of you still listening for your support, and the artists that we have worked with in the past, and all the ones we work with now, and all of the ones in the future. We thank all of you. This show remains not only a labor of love, but an avocation, a mission, a purpose that will continue into season 10 and beyond. From all of us at the Wicked Library and Ninth Story Studios, an extremely happy holiday to you all. Whew, I was awfully close to relighting myself on fire after all of that sentiment. <laughs> and now, boys and ghouls, we present our Chris Massacre tale especially for you. This story was especially crafted just for you. It's sort of like a Dickens tale without the redemption part. <laughs> this is also for that special listener who doesn't like female narration. A special gift from my old friend, the Krampus. <laughs> okay, kiddies, Crispy Kringle is going to sit back and relax. This one's called Carol's Christmas. Carol's Christmas by Nelson W. Piles and Scarlett R. Algy, told by Cynthia Lohman, and scored by our good friend Nico Viteze of We Talk of Dreams. Intro Hey you, y'all there? Just nod if you understand me. Oh sugar, I said nod up and down. There you are. You remember me? No? Oh, baby girl, I'm Carol. Remember? From school? All flooding back yet? Carol Dumas. I've been here visiting my folks, in a manner of speaking. Anywho, I made a stop to visit you, all special. See... I'm what some folks would call a serial killer. 
except not a conventional one. I prefer murderer. Serial murderer. It sure don't roll off the tongue, to be sure, but it's a bit more accurate. And lucky you, darling, you're my favorite Christmas present. Well, that's getting a little ahead of ourselves, isn't it? There's very little forethought when it's time for me to take someone out. Not out in the causal sense. Out as in like a light. All the way. It's all spontaneous. Anyhow, after 30 years, my favorite kill is the last of the year. Right next to the New Year's kill. Every kill in between is great too, but the Christmas kill is special. Which means... You're special, too. Extra special. Why? Well, I'm glad you asked. If only with your eyes. (laughs) Every good Christmas tradition should, and does, have a good story attached to it. As it so happens, I have three. Now you just lie there all properly bound and gagged, and I'll regale you with your Christmas stories. Tucked in? Good. I hope you'll like these three stories. They'll literally be the last thing you hear. 1. Past Presence December 2nd, 1987 Dear Diary, I woke up this morning a 16-year-old. Whoopity-doo. And what I got for my birthday is this journal. God knows why. I didn't ask for it. I didn't ask for anything. I don't care. I don't write, and I don't want to write about what I don't care about. I don't know why I don't care. It's funny. It's like I actively don't care about anything. Like, at all. I have friends at school, but no best friends. Not even actual friends. Just people I know. People I grew up with. A lot of them are just, I don't know, messed up. They write poems, if you can believe that. High school suicide locker poetry, I called it. And it seems to fit. It's all about boys, which is hilarious. Nobody writes anything real. It's all stupid. Everything. What am I supposed to put in this thing? My inner thoughts? Boys I like? Badmouth my parents? My parents are okay, actually. They love me. They always make sure I'm okay. Well, they ask. I have no reason to think they don't care. They do. The problem is me. As I get older, I'm finding the problem with me is simply me. And I don't even think it's a big problem. I just simply do not care. So this journal may not be updated very much because I don't care. I might care more if I got to stay home from school today, but not likely. Time to go. C. December 3rd, 1987. I'm not calling you, dear diary. I'm writing to myself. No need for formalities. Something interesting happened. Well, interesting for me anyway. After I wrote, I found myself thinking about it and rereading it. Maybe I'll keep it up a bit. It's something I guess I 
enjoyed? I don't know. I told my mom and she nearly exploded with emotion. Maybe there's a better way to word that, because, ew. In any case, I certainly felt something for a change. Maybe I'll keep this up. We'll see. I've been 16 for a full day. No noticeable difference from 15. December 4th, 1987. It's Friday afternoon and I'm on the bus ride home. I'll have to write quick. I got into a little fist fight. No, really. I was waiting in the hall for the bell to ring. It was a really long day when Danielle Dolce decided to choose this moment to mouth off to me. Why? I have zero idea. I'm pretty quiet. I don't make any waves and I just drift along unnoticed for the most part. But not today. She walked by and shoved me against the lockers face first. To be honest, it didn't hurt, but I did drop all my books. I turned to her and she just stood there laughing with her stupid-ass friends. I must have scowled at her because she asked in her very best school bully voice, What are you looking at? I have a few answers for that question that I think are pretty funny. You know, like, not much or something sarcastic, right? I couldn't remember any of them. I don't really know what happened, but something in me just kind of switched on, I guess. I jumped on her and just started punching her in the face. Again and again, I'm looking at my hand and it's raw and still bleeding a little. It should hurt, but it doesn't. It feels awesome. That's a little weird, but I feel good. Like, really good. Maybe it's because I didn't take any shit from someone or I don't know. But I felt something. That's good, right? I'll have to explain this to my parents, but I'll probably leave out the part where it felt good. I'll probably be in trouble too, but I don't know. I'll just enjoy it for now. Later. Oh. My. God. Not grounded. Not in trouble. I explained everything to my folks, and they were proud of me for defending myself. My hand still hurts, but it also still feels good. I'm glad I wrote this down, because I reread it five times already. It feels that good. December 25th, 1987. So I haven't written anything in a while, but a lot has happened. For one thing, I have a new reputation in school. Not as a slut, which is kind of nice, since that's what seems to be the biggest thing girls get tagged with. No, I'm now known as a tough chick, apparently. I've hit the former school bully girl three times now. She keeps screwing with me, although I think after this last time, she's done. However, this time I got in trouble. I know why, and I suppose I deserved it, but not as much as she deserved it. A couple of incidents were a little bit low-key, just a shove here and there, a shitty comment, but this last one... I guess I reacted a little more intensely than I should have. We were playing floor hockey in the gym. She's in a goal and I'm trying to slap my puck in and she calls me a bitch. I laugh at her and make the goal. I laugh harder. Then she called me something a little worse than a bitch. The one with the C? Words don't bother me really. It's all context or so my father tells me. But this? I don't know. I suppose I just sort of snapped because I ran at her with the hockey stick. 
I full-on swung at her head and it connected with the side of her neck. It didn't knock her over, so I just started swinging away like the stick was an axe. Nothing focused, really. I just started smacking her with it again and again. She was stuck in the goal and fell down, curling into a ball inside of the goal. I started kicking her. I threw the stick and put both hands on the top bar of the goal to get better angles while I kicked her. Funny thing I noticed was that I wasn't angry. I mean, I was the first time I hit her. I guess I would have had to be, right? But the more I hurt her, the better I felt. It was like taking a deep breath and exhaling slowly. I wonder if there's something wrong with me. Because I felt absolutely fantastic. So I got suspended right before the winter break. I guess two weeks off before having two more weeks off was supposed to be a punishment. Dummies. The folks were a little upset. But as of this morning, it's a damn fine time here at the house. Aside from clothes and stuff, they got me a membership at a karate school. That should make stuff interesting. It's supposed to teach discipline. It couldn't hurt. April 5th, 1990. Well, look what I found. There are a few years of missing items in the diary here, y'all. And a new twang. Unexpected side effect of going to school in Georgia. So what to update y'all with first? I'm a black belt in karate and jiu-jitsu and working on Aikido. I like martial arts. It's very good for discipline. It's also really good for big expenditures of energy. And I can really hurt people who have it coming. And I can hurt them for longer periods of time. Sadistic? I don't think so. I've learned to be careful. But I'll tell you something. I still enjoy hurting people. I've just gotten better at it. Now, before you judge me, I'm still not calling you dear diary. I'm not crazy. I'm only hurting people who deserve it. Really. The school is full of people needing a whooping, or worse. I'm still deciding what kind of hurt worse is but I think I'll be able to figure it out eventually. It's funny, though. In my criminal psych course, I'm becoming aware that a lot of what I harbor could be considered signs of some kind of criminal leanings. I do have what the folks call a violent streak, but I've learned to keep that under my hat, so to speak. That's what the martial arts was for, initially. Good old Danny and the hockey stick probably would have still happened, but control is an even better coping tool especially when you want to dish out more hurt. I find that I like the hurting part. Doesn't mean I'm crazy or deviant. I mean, I know, I reckon, I'm pulling a straight A in the class. I'm really glad I found this diary. I'll have to thank Mom. May 15th. I killed someone tonight. I'm not going to freak out, but I am going to tell my little book. You, in other words. And I have to put down how I feel. I feel alive. I feel like this is what love should feel like. But love for yourself. I don't know if that makes sense at all. Maybe that's why I need to write this down. The details don't matter. The person, we'll call her one, she was really in the wrong place at the wrong time. I didn't hate her then and don't now, but I also don't feel either way about it. Maybe that's cold. I hadn't planned it, 
But what's fascinating to me is how rational and calculated it became once I decided to do it. I really think that the process suits me. I don't feel any guilt, and I am so alive right now. I can't tell anyone, of course. Ever. Just you, and I'll be burning you soon. But until I do, I'm telling you. This is an avocation. This is a rebirth of sorts. I went to a revival meeting down here, and watching how all the other folks reacted. That's what I feel on the inside. There isn't going to be any swooning or fainting on my end. And if ever there was proof there ain't no God, I reckon that might be it. She didn't go quietly, I'll tell you that much. I need to learn how to refine the process. Strip it down to its basic elements. An engineer, an architect? Can you reverse engineer a murder? I guess we'll find out, y'all. Anyhow... I reckon this little diary needs to become ashes before it becomes a liability. It was fun while it lasted. Carol. 2. Invisible Future I see myself one day in the near time to come, but different versions of me. Sometimes all at once, sometimes changing mid-thought. There's no way one can peer into the future because really... There is no future, just the here, just the now, just the me, just the you. Doesn't matter who you are. Danielle Dolce had a future, probably imagined it for years before her actual future abruptly punched her clock without a warning. To be fair, there had always been a warning. It's the same warning we all get. Some of us hear it and some of us choose not to hear it. But that warning is always there, big as Jesus. You aren't promised to be here later. No one promised her, and if they did, well, they were lying. One day, I'll either get caught or I won't. Sometimes I think about confessing, although that makes me laugh. It's possible that it would make other people laugh, too. That's how good I've gotten. If I filmed every single murder I've done with voice narration over the entire goddamn thing, they'd still have to think about it. And that is an arrogance. That is a cold fact. That's pride in a job well done. Earned, y'all. When I killed that girl in 90, it was like learning to fly under my own power. The first time. Popped my own cherry, as it were. Even when I had sex for the first time one week later, it wasn't half as satisfying. And like sex, it got better each time I did it. But nothing is better than the first kill. That girl in 1990 was legitimately in the wrong place at the wrong time. At least as far as she may have been concerned. I thought her place and time was perfect. A gift from the universe. Call me a cunt, which... To be cliché is a trigger word for a lot of women. I reckon it was for me. Hell, still is as far as I'm concerned. It ignited a fire in me that simply will not extinguish. It's a glorious fire that I want to burn until I die at a ripe old age. You see, there's no legacy I want to leave behind. It's not important that anyone know that I was other than Carol Dumas, architect and gardening enthusiast hot yoga attendee, possible spinster, 
cat owner. She made a killer buttermilk pie and always was good for great donations to the local church in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Because from the look in your eyes, you know. For as long as you live, you know. That's legacy enough. That's the here and now. The you. The me. Three. Present. Tense. You nodded off on me. That was rude. Come on and wake up now. To be honest, I'm a little surprised that chloroform I picked up online actually worked. It ain't something you can just go buy off the shelf at the corner drugstore anymore, you know. I guess you really can get anything on the internet these days. The bleach, the trash bags, the sheet plastic, none of that was a problem. It's winter and I'm back in town. I'm cleaning house. I'm weatherproofing. It's even going to be kind of true when I'm done with you. Your eyebrows kind of popped up when I said bleach and trash bags. Interesting. But I digress. I see you lying there with those big eyes wondering why. Why you? Why this? Probably why me? Crying won't get that duct tape loose, just so you know. It's the good stuff. I've had too much practice not to have picked up on people's little tricks by now. So you just sit there. Come on, I'll get you up. There you go. And we'll have a little talk. Of sorts. Murderer to helpless victim-like. The you, the me, the why. The why. (laughs) I said you were special, remember? I don't think you know just how much. I admit, I never really intended to come back here. You can't do what I do for as long as I've done it and get comfortable having the same dirt under your feet too long. You learn to like the move. It wasn't about you originally. I didn't expect to get that phone call, you know? The one to my real phone, not to one of my burners. Only two people have had that number, though neither of them ever used it much. So when I saw a call at 10 p.m. that wasn't from one of them, I knew something had gone mightily awry. This is a hell of a goddamn time of year to be finding out a drunk driver's killed both your parents. The first thing I did, after I woke up right good and said, yes, yes, of course I'll come, I'm on my way, was smash the fuck out of that phone with a masonry hammer. On the drive down, I dropped the pieces off the interstate bridge. Because I wouldn't need it anymore, and because there's no such thing as too careful. Not that I've been saying much to my mom and dad these past few years, you know. I couldn't exactly be the dutiful daughter who called in every week, not without leaving a trail. And nobody ever said anything, not mom, not dad, but sometimes I think they suspect just the same. Suspected, god damn it. I don't even really feel much of anything other than being kind of pissed at how they died. It's been two weeks and they're both buried, and I'm still just numb with this little glaze of angry, like it's something that'll flake off before too long. It's always been easy to just go numb, but still, my parents, you know? They were decent people. They didn't bother nobody. They didn't deserve that. They loved me. I'm pretty sure of that. They always looked out for me and I tried to love them back some. 
Back when I was a tot who still thought Santa'd bring me a pony under the Christmas tree, I might even have managed it for a little while. It sure was never their fault that the love thing didn't ever really take with me. <laughs> that pony, I asked every year. Closest I ever got was a goldfish when I was ten. There's not much to love about a goldfish. They just eat those flakes and shit their water and startle when you tap the glass. Anywho, smart people, my folks. Figured out I'd made my own self comfortable, so there ain't some big inheritance coming. The house is being sold and the money given to their favorite charity, which is the Humane Society, in case you wondered. Oh, I know. A lot of people be real mad, real torn up, losing out like that. But I'm not bothered. Truth be told, I like not having anything to tie me here. Not after I finish with you, anyway. You're hyperventilating. Do I need to tell you why that's not good for you? Besides, I'm just coming up on your part in the story, Danielle. Despite what you might think, I hadn't really thought about you in quite a while. Places to go, people to kill, you know. I just remember that the last time you came up in a conversation, my mom said you'd hooked up with Tommy Slate. I remember being surprised that she was surprised. I distinctly remember not being surprised. I figured y'all suited each other. The bitchy school bully and the dumbass dopehead football jock. In fact, I fully expected her to tell me there'd been a shotgun wedding. Cause I know for damn sure y'all two would have bred a mean little bunch of brats. You've got the kind of blood that runs true. But I guess Tommy got tired of you fast. More likely he discovered that he'd like the girls who didn't bitch about his pain pills and his nose candy. Leastways, I'm glad he dumped you before he took up the shake and bake method. I'm told he went out with a bang. At least he was courteous enough to leave you from me. It almost didn't happen, you know, us meeting up like this. If I hadn't decided that the middle of the night was a good time to peel the hell out, now that I've stayed long enough to do the right thing by my folks, I wouldn't have needed to pull into the 24-hour quick mart for a grape drink and some barbecue chips and one of those five-hour energy shots. And you wouldn't have slouched over the counter and cussed me for disturbing your 3 a.m. nap. I honestly never had you pegged as a convenience store clerk, Danny. Never thought you'd be a flunky, just a boss type in some job where you could rule over people like the queen bitch you always thought you were. Mighty don't always fall very far, does it? I knew who you were right away, of course. Kind of surprised me that you didn't recognize me. I know it's been a good few years, but I don't reckon I've changed that much. Except for maybe my haircut. But you. I knew your parents had taken you off for some plastic surgery after what I affectionately think of as the hockey stick incident. And it looks good. It really does. For your age, well, our age, I guess, you can barely tell much of anything happened. Except that little dent in the bridge of your nose. I'd know that dent anywhere. I should. I put it there. And I knew right then that you'd be the one this Christmas. Just looking at your face made my hand hurt in that good way again. You know, the one I punched you in the face with the first time? Hot damn things do come full circle. And here I am, ready to do a little plastic surgery of my own, 
I might salvage a decent Christmas for myself after all. I'm sure it's what my folks would want. They always did like to make sure I was okay. Unlike yours, apparently, since you're the one living out here in the sticks in a trailer. Oh, don't get me wrong. It's really a nice trailer. Just another one of those things I wouldn't really have expected out of you. But hey, that's good. Keeps me on my toes. It sure as hell wasn't any problem to follow you out here. After you cussed me, I went back to my Lona car and cut the headlights and popped the top on my soda and just sat there sucking the salt off my chips till you locked up at four and came out. You were so damn glad to be out of that place you didn't even notice you'd walked right past my car. Hell, you didn't even notice me till you were out front trying to get the door unlocked. That kind of hurt, Danny. It really did for a few seconds. You always went out of your way to pay attention to me before. I thought about just dropping you right there. A good roundhouse kick would have done it. But that would have been over too soon and would have spoiled my fun before I got started. And I wouldn't have gotten to test the chloroform. Besides, I admit I am enjoying your little Christmas lights. They're festive, though I think you kind of skimped out on them. Oh, but I've wasted enough breath on the why and the you and the me. That little energy shot's got me pretty wired. Must be why I've talked so much. But the more I look at your face, the twitchier my punching hand gets. A couple of jabs for old time's sake would be just the thing to warm me up. And that cute little notch in your nose looks so lonely. Oh, oh yeah. It's just like I remember. Better, maybe. Don't let anybody tell you nothing's better than sex, because I can name off quite a few exceptions, and feeling the skin of my knuckles split against your cheekbone is at the top of the list right now. Just the right amount of pain, the right amount of hurt. Lord, I miss this. Oh, damn, Danny. Again with the crying. I'm working up to killing you here. I didn't come out here for you to ruin the goddamn moment. Yeah, that's it. Dried up fast. People tend to do that when they see the ice pick, the screwdriver, the hand drill. Sometimes I use them in order. Sometimes I switch them up and use other tools. Other times I like to be a little more hands-on. Oh, your cheek's looking sweet. Hang on a minute and let's get the other side to match. Aren't you glad I gave you that gag to bite down on? There, that's better. No, don't turn your head. Look at me. Look at me. That's a good girl. I said you were special, didn't I? I'm about to get started and I realize I haven't really told you why. You're precious, Danielle. You were a bitch to me in school and a bitch to me tonight, but you're precious. Even if you called me a cunt and shoved my face into a locker, I don't love anybody, but I can appreciate the gift you're about to give me. See, I can only do this once. This one murder in this one place. Because there's only one of you. It makes each of my kills unique and special. But also a little sad. Because I know I'll never have this moment again. I won't be able to recapture how good this feels right now. 
it keeps me going. Seeking. Chasing that high, I guess, and never finding the same one twice. If I could bottle this, what's about to happen, I could treasure it forever. Just know one thing. I don't hate you, and I never did. Not then and not now. Quite the opposite. If I were capable of love, I'd love you. One of the few things I would actually love. And this? This is the highest form of my affection. Merry Christmas, Danielle. Now, let's see what we can do about your nose. Hello, kiddies. So, you want access to the Wicked Archives, do you? Well, it takes money to keep the lights on and keep our beasties fed. Trust me, you don't want them hungry. They might just start eating the writers and then where would we be? Visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash wickedlibrary and pledge your support to the show. For $2 a month, I'll give you a key to our collection of classic episodes. For $5 a month, I'll let you hear the bonus stories before the rest of our listeners. Even more tantalizing rewards await for those who want to sacrifice more to us. (laughs) Over 70 classic episodes are lurking deep in the private area of the library, just waiting to be heard by you. Pledge yourself to the library today, and you'll be ours forever. You're going to like it here, I think. <laughs> <laughs>